صباح الخير صباح الخير رامي صباح الخير لكل المستمعين مثل كل نهار ثلاثة بنتكلم عن قانون الإفلاس مثل كل نهار ثلاثة معنا المحامي مايكل بينكستين اللي بينضم اللي بينضم إلنا من المكتب واللي هو بيترأس الديبارتمنت تبع البنكربسي عنا بالمكتب Good morning Good afternoon uh, Attorney Michael Bengstein How are you? Good, Jumana. How are you doing today? Very good. I hope you're not too tired today. No, no, not at all. Okay. Well, I'm a little bit tired today. You know, it's the end of the year and uh, a, a, a lot is going on here in our office and we're settling a lot of cases and car accidents, auto accidents and so forth. So it's a busy time of the year. Oh, exactly. Thank Putting the finishing touches on a, another great year. Yes, yes. Do you have any such thing in a bankruptcy law where the end of the year sees an increase in you know, bankruptcy discharges, or is it just simply dependent on when you file for bankruptcy and whether it is Chapter 7 and Chapter 13? Well, there is a general seasonal pattern. Is uh, right around maybe February, uh, beginning of March, the bankruptcy uh, inquiries increase, and that just keeps increasing and increasing uh, all the way up until about uh, Thanksgiving or so. Um, of course, we're, we're still plenty busy with the existing cases and people still come in because they have, uh, you know, a foreclosure or they're getting, you know, sued or garnished or what have you. Um, but it, it does drop off a little bit around the holidays and then around tax time when people get their refunds, uh, then it is sort of the, the cycle begins anew. So uh, <coughs> you're telling me that um, when people have a choice, they will avoid filing bankruptcy around the holidays. But those people who come to our office because of a precipitating event, let's say, yes, a foreclosure looming on their home or they were served with a lawsuit, then yes. that's different. Yes, and that's true generally for bankruptcy is that when somebody is facing these financial situations, um, you'd be surprised how many people wait two, three, or four years after the, the initial problem develops before they actually pick up that phone and, and make the first phone call. So one of the things I'm, I'm doing here on the radio show is to implore people, if you know you've sort of crossed that red line and, and there's more water coming into the boat than you can bail out, um, why put yourself through that for another two, three, four years before you, before you look into fixing the problem? You know, come and get a free consultation. We'll be happy to let you know your rights. And you said uh, last time, uh, or or one more than once before, actually, you did say that you know when you get to that point where you're hesitant about picking up the phone, you have all these callers, a lot of toll-free numbers and not toll-free numbers, unknown numbers, and you don't want to pick up the phone anymore because you have all these creditors chasing you. That's a very painful and very tough and very stressful way to live. That's right. That's right. Um, it, it does create a, a lot of stress uh, when your phone rings and you don't recognize the number and you're afraid to pick it up. Or every time that you go out to the mailbox to grab your mail, you've got a little knot in your stomach because what are you going to see now? You know. And, I, and I've, I've come to appreciate this over the years, having helped thousands of people through this process over the last 12 years. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, you know how in the past maybe four to six months we started adding a component to our bankruptcy show, show when we talk about where we talk about, I apologize, where we talk about 
uh, financial literacy, and sometimes we mention the advice of financial gurus out there who give very simple but very important advice. Uh, I came across, and I just gave you a copy of this article, I came across a an article about um, UC Berkeley and University of South Cal- University of Cal- California Berkeley is a very prestigious university out in California. Um, the the um, headline read: UC Berkeley undergrads create their own adulting class to share real life skills, including budgeting managing stress, etc. So, you know, we've talked about financial literacy in the past and how our curriculum is lacking in financial literacy, whether it is, you know, at the lower school level, middle school level, high school level, or even college level. And here is one prestigious university creating what's called an adulting class. An adulting class uh, uh, to to help their graduates, you know, uh, do better as soon as they leave their dorms. Um, there are apparently two students who came up with that idea. They came up with the idea for the course last year after realizing that there are really shortcomings in their education at the University of California, Berkeley. As soon as they moved, it seems, out of their apartment and their dorms, they found themselves struggling to stick to a budget and they were spending too much money eating out. And so they suspected that a number of the graduates um, in their school are facing similar struggles with adjusting to adult life. So there is, you know, being cocooned and, you know, being in school, and then there is what's called adult life. And, you know, because they felt that other graduated graduating students are struggling with adjusting to adult life, they created this curriculum. And the bottom line is these classes, 90 minutes each, that last for 12 weeks, you know, are supposed to help people increase their self-reliance by... Um, you know, learning basic skills from budgeting to learning how to pay your taxes to budgeting for how to pay your taxes um, and so forth and so on. And apparently, Michael, that um, that class is in high demand. It debuted last spring and it is really in high demand. So it's a 90 minute class every week. And uh, it starts with these two students sharing their struggles about a particular uh, area, whether it's paying taxes or, or budgeting or, or, I don't know, figuring out how to pay credit cards or which one's first and so forth, and then bringing in an outside expert on that topic. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's really important. Um, 
you'd be surprised how many people I think have never put a budget together. What's their average monthly income? What's their average monthly expenses? Um, I'm kind of in an interesting situation because I help people do that six or seven times every day. Um, but it really magical things happen when you actually go line by line, figure out what all your expenses are, what your income is, and compare the two to see is it in the positive, is it in the negative, how much disposable income do you have. Uh, there's a, uh, there tends to be a bit of a disconnect between what people think is going on with their money and what's actually going on with their money when you do a line by line budget. So we've been talking about how there is not enough financial literacy in the United States. There is certainly not enough financial literacy where we came from in the Middle East and even here in the United States. However, can you agree with me that in today's world, if you really put it in your head to go learn about something, you will find classes, you will find online classes, you will find in-person classes, you will find things on the internet, you will find things on YouTube. It's not like the information is not available, quite frankly. It's there. There, there tends to be a certain amount of discomfort, um, you know, scary uh, when it's a, an unusual thing to you, an unfamiliar area. Um, but I, I'd really encourage people, you know, there'll be a little bit of initial discomfort, um, but you know, stick with it. Um, you know, play around with the budget and, and get a handle on, on your money. Uh, you'll be so glad you did. Thank you. Thank you very much. And before we start the show, Rami, حكينا بالسابق عدة مرات إنه في حتى الولايات المتحدة كيف بالحرة البلدين اللي نحن جايين منها ما بيعلموا ثقافة مالية، ما بيعلموا ثقافة مادية. الارتكل كنت عم بحكي عنه هو عن تلميستين تخرجوا من جامعة عريقة في كاليفورنيا University of California Berkeley اللي حسوا من بعد ما تخرجوا انه ما عندهم بايديهم مع انه حصلوا على شهادة اربع سنوات حسوا انه هيدي الشهادة مش محضرتهم لا يمشوا بحياتهم ولا يعرفوا كيف بدهم يعالجوا الأمور اللي عم بتواجههم إن كان كيف بدون يعملوا بجت إن كان كيف بدون يدفعوا التاكسز إن كان كيف بدون يعيشوا حياتهم so uh, they came up with the idea إنه وهيدي الأيديا من ال من السبرينج الماضي يعني بفتكر هلا صار مرتين عاطين الكلاس اجتهم الفكره والجامعه قبلت معهم انه يخترعوا كورس بسموه ادلتنج، ادلتنج يعني ادلت يعني الانسان الادلت ادلتنج كلاسز اللي هي كورس بيجتمعوا مره بالاسبوع لمده ساعه ونص بيطرحوا موضوع معين عم بيعانوا بصعوبه فيه من بعد ما تخرجوا أو من بعد ما يمكن يتخرجوا من الجامعة وبيرجعوا بيجيبوا خبير أو خبراء يحكي عن هذا الموضوع والسبب اللي عم بحكي عن هذا الأرتك اليوم لحتى أكد لقلناه بالماضي أنه حتى في الولايات المتحدة ما في financial literacy كافية حتى بالولايات المتحدة ما في ثقافة مالية كافية وإنما نحن بعصر المعلومات يعني أي شخص بده يتعلم أكتر لو شو ما بده يتعلم بده يتعلم على كيف يدفع التاكسس بده يتعلم على budgeting بده يتعلم على الكريدت كارز لو شو ما كان بده يتعلم نحن في عصر 
بنقدر نلاقي المعلومات وبنقدر نلاقي المعلومات cheaply or without no cost ليلي بده بيقدر يلاقي classes إن كان بي community colleges إن كان بي جامعات إن كان بي uh, specific schools ليلي بده بيقدر يعمل online classes ليلي بده بيقدر يروح على الانترنت وبيقدر يروح على اليوتيوب المعلومات صارت موجودة والمعلومات أغلبية الأوقات مجانية Uh, growing up وقت اللي كنت تلميذة أنا من عشرين وخمسة وعشرين سنة رامي ما كان في تليفون ولا كان في انترنت كنت تروح على اللايبرري على الببليك لايبرري أو على السكول لايبرري أو على اليونيفرسيتي لايبرري ونفتح الاندكسينج وننبش على المعلومة اللي نحنا بدنا إياها ونطلب الكتاب ونطلع الكتاب ونم... ونمضي اسمنا إنه سحبنا الكتابنا نطلع عليه هيدا في كتير من أولادنا ما بيعرفوا فيه هيدا السيستم لأنه مش على وقتهم بس نحن بنتذكر هيدا الشيء نحن هلأ صرنا بوقت مختلف يعني خلاصة الأمر في مشكلة اسمها lack of financial literacy هي مش بس آه آه عم بتسيء بال بالاشخاص اللي جايين من الشرق الاوسط او اللي خلقانين وربيانين بالشرق الاوسط هي حتى هون عم بتسيء بالامريكان وانما لازم نعترف انه المعلومات موجوده ليلي بهمه يتعلم ليلي بهمه يثقف نفسه ليلي بهمه يحسن نفسه المعلومات موجوده والمعلومات موجوده at your own fingertips so to speak Attorney Michael Bankstein, was there anything you wanted to add? I saw that you're looking at the article a little bit more carefully. Oh, yeah, it's really interesting. There's some really great quotes in here. Yes, please. Uh, sure. Uh, one student said, I need to learn how to get this adult thing down and manage life. <laughs> yes. I mean, th- what, a, what a powerful adult quote. Thing. Say that again. Uh, quote, I need to learn how to get this adult thing down and manage life. Yes. I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, you know, Michael, you hesitated about sharing your experience because you did not want to alienate the young lis- m- listeners who are listening to us. Well, I can tell you that, I mean, my daughters, I, I am guilty of wanting to do things for them or wanting to have things done for them. And I think by doing this, I'm preventing them from this adult thing figuring out this adult thing you and i may come from a different generation um tell me about your background you said that at age seven you learned oh oh, yeah i just uh, i just was raised in a house where it was uh sort of um more of a figure it out you know get it done kind of environment um okay to make a mistake you do better the next time yeah i would say probably by the age of seven or eight for example this is a little thing uh, if I said, "Hey, what's what's this word mean?" Uh, well, you know, we've got it. We've got a dictionary over there on the shelf. If you want to know what the word one, means, very big one and very heavy one. Yeah, just go yeah. over there and look it up. And if you want to know something, there's there's resources for doing it. You know, and go go figure it out. You know, it was. Um, I didn't have. I didn't wasn't raised in that whole helicoptering era, and I don't mean that as a pejorative at all. What um, do you mean by the helicoptering era? I've heard. Uh, and I haven't experienced this personally, but I've heard from uh, some of my, my younger colleagues that there was a real time when uh, a, parents and adults tried to sort of smooth the path and, and sort of take care of things for you. 
Um, it was a little bit more hands-on, I think, when I was a kid, you know, in the in the 80s and the early 90s. And, and again, I might be wrong about that. It's not to alienate any of our millennial, you know, listeners. I just think I was grow- growing up in a little bit of a different time when um, uh, some of this training happened more at home. You know, that I think it doesn't necessarily happen at home anymore I- in right. a busier world. Right, and you certainly don't need to rely on an adulting class. I don't think they had a class on 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 that kind of stuff, probably. Well, uh, actually, they don't, and I think that the University of California Berkeley probably came up with the first adulting class anywhere in in any universities. I don't know that for sure, but the article seems to imply that it's a new. It's a new idea, yeah, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, it's it's important to learn these skills uh, wherever wherever you learn them. Th- there should be some some mechanism in our society, uh, some place where you where you learn that before you, you get out into the into the working world. So this is a great thing. I think it should be done more widely. Right, and it goes to tell you that our education. I mean, think about law school. How little you you studied so hard for years in law school, right? Yes. So hard. And you sweated the small stuff and the big stuff, and none of it prepared you for becoming a lawyer. I mean, you graduated from law school, and you did not even know on what side of the courtroom to stand if you are a plaintiff or a defendant, correct? Uh, That's right. Or if you represent the plaintiff or a defendant. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you get to your last year of law school thinking you know a lot about how to be a lawyer, and then you go out into the world. And, and it's important to, you know, uh, not to, law school has really important theoretical underpinnings that you wouldn't be able to navigate that world without having those theoretical underpinnings. But the job is so much more than that. And actually getting out, you know, on the road, as it were, and, and learning your craft is, uh, that's quite a process. You know, if I had to do my uh, rearing of my daughters all over again, I will have asked them, insisted on them working from a very young age, because I think that that greatly helps in adulting and figuring things and being responsible and so forth and so on. I agree. You know, I actually intentionally took three years off between college and law school because I I didn't want a situation where I'm going from high school right into college right into law school and then I'm coming out into the world and I and I haven't really done anything so I actually took three years off and just went out in the world and worked and did some things and uh, some of my friends who went straight into law school said oh you'll never go back and I said I'll go back you know it's just it's a three-year pause go out in the world and do something else anything else uh, it doesn't have to be related to law and I feel like that really kind of gave me a different a different perspective when I went into law school. I was 26 when I went to law school, which I was a few years older than my peers, and I think that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, going back to this article, the, the student says that, you know, this class and teaching you skills so that you can become more self-reliant, so that you can become more self-independent, so that your self-esteem grows. Is there any other quote that you care to mention before we start with the topics of our program today? Yes, uh, that uh, what you just said about being, you know, someone that can be relied on, being more self-reliant. A quote I had also underlined about 10 minutes ago uh, on the previous page to the other quote was, uh, another student said, I want to learn to be dependable. I want other people to be able to count on me. 
I mean, that's, mm. that's it right there. I know. I agree with you. And, and how wonderful when you become a dependable person and a reliable person. And that's something that, that's, that's a skill to be honed. Yeah, your, your word, your name, that still means things these days. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And Thank you. Um, I, um, I went yesterday over a year and a half of radio material. Don't ask me why I was doing this cleaning yesterday, but I found myself going back all the way to March 2018 when we started with the radio and how far we have gone. I have hundreds of pages of radio material and notes that I have taken down in preparation and going through the radio material. And I saw that about two or three points that you have mentioned possibly more, that you have mentioned before. You may have mentioned once or twice. And I have noticed that we've gone over a number of other points a lot more. We've often talked about, you know, what can be discharged in bankruptcy and what cannot. And on two or three different occasions, you mentioned, in passing rather, that fraud in obtaining a mortgage, and sadly, some people do commit fraud in getting a mortgage on their home, if they need to file for bankruptcy, that mortgage may not be discharged in bankruptcy because it was fraudulently obtained. Is that correct or did I misunderstand you? No, you're correct. And more generally, fraud in connection with obtaining any kind of debt, whether it be a mortgage or credit cards or a personal loan. Um, it's any debt. Correct. Um, it's, it's, n- it's a problem if you're trying to get rid of the debt. Um, if somebody and I would never advocate this for whatever reason, obtained a mortgage and was able to continue paying on the mortgage, generally the bank doesn't care so long as they're getting their money. And and that's not advocating that at all. But it's especially a problem when there's been fraud in connection with obtaining the debt, and then you're looking to get rid of the debt. So somebody had, let's say somebody makes $25,000 a year, but they represent to the bank that they make $50,000 a year. And, and yeah, the banks are supposed to engage in their due diligence, but if for whatever reason they, they don't and they rely on your representations, and then later on you're going to, to uh, you file for bankruptcy, uh, the, the bank says, well, hang on a second. We never would have uh, given you that loan if we had known the true state of affairs. So since there was fraud in connection with obtaining the debt, we're going to object to a discharge of our debt. And under those circumstances, if they're able to substantiate that, uh, it's likely that the debt won't be dischargeable. So in that case, let's say fraud in connection with obtaining a mortgage, what specifically will not be discharged? The the bank payments? The uh, mortgage payments? Yes, the mortgage payments. So for example, if somebody says, um, you know, I want to, um, I want to surrender the house, and not have to make the payments anymore. Um, if there was fraud in connection with obtaining the debt, um, it's likely that that debt won't be dischargeable. So they will be stuck with that bank payment. They lost the house, but they still have to make the bank payment. It's not dischargeable. I've never personally seen a situation where a house was foreclosed on and then the bank went back 17 years uh, to see whether or not there was fraud in connection with obtaining the mortgage. But if, if they object to discharge, if the mortgage company objects to discharge, and if they're able to show 
that there was some fraud in connection with obtaining the debt, uh, then it would be non-dischargeable. Can you uh, give us an example of how someone may commit fraud in obtaining a credit card? Yeah, so, so sometimes you have to list what your income is. And if you, if you list a higher income and you get a card you otherwise wouldn't have gotten or you get a higher credit limit than you otherwise would have gotten. If um, they relied on your uh, fraudulent misrepresentation in giving you a credit card or a higher limit. Correct. And, uh, you know, from time to time, a, a creditor attorney will, will show up at the, at the hearing, at the meeting of creditors, and uh, they'll, have a, they'll have a photocopy of, of the actual application and they'll still say well well hang on a second what was your income that year what was your you know we want to see some tax returns for that year because uh, you know you got this credit card you know three years ago or two years ago and um, but then now we're looking at uh, the statement of financial affairs on your bankruptcy pleadings where you have to list what your income was over the last three years and they're not matching up and that that stuff on the statement of financial affairs is based on your actual tax returns so, uh, again, if things don't match up, uh, that, that can create a real red flag. Can you think of another example of where fraud may be committed in obtaining a debt, maybe like a car? Uh, well, yeah. If uh, again, if there's if they're asking you what your income is, they always ask you what your income is. Sure, but uh, what I mean is, if you are telling you them, lie. A, yeah, if you're telling them a different income than you have. Uh, hey, I, I make $25,000 a year, but I'm saying I make 50000 Would you have gotten the, the car otherwise? Okay. So I feel that this point we did not harp on enough, and I wanted today to take the opportunity to develop it a little bit further. Belmadi كنت عم قول إنه كنت عم راجع المعلومات النوتس اللي اللي مجمعينهم من وقت ما بلشنا الراديو شو بأذار 2018 لحد اليوم يعني تقريبا سنتين شوي أقل عنا كتير 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 نوتس عن كل المواضيع بكل المجالات إن كان هجرة أو إن كان سوشيال سيكوريتي أو إن كان حوادث السيارات أو إن كان بانكربسي في نقطتين أو ثلاثة شعرت انه ما تكلمنا عنهم بطريقه مفصله وما رددناهم اكثر من مره او اثنين وثلاثه وقلنا دائما ومنذكر بعضنا البعض انه بالعربي بيقولوا بالاعاده افاده هي للحقيقه الدراسات بتفرجي انه الطريقه الوحيده انه الانسان يتعلم الشغله يعني عن جد يتعلمها يعني عن جد يطبقها اذا الانسان طبق يعني تعلم إذا الإنسان ما طبق يعني ما تعلم يعني عنده معلومة عامة بس ما أثرت على حياته الدراسات بتفرجي أنه للإنسان يطبق للإنسان عن جد يتعلم طريقة من الطرق هي التكرار يعني يكرر المعلومة يكرر المعمولة يرددها 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 لدرجة أنه بتصير on autopilot باللاوعي تبعه So going back to that في نقطتين ثلاثة ما حكينا عنهم كفاية بهل تقريبا سنتين ووحدة منهم هي اللي بيسموه بالإنجليزي fraud in connection with obtaining any debt يعني أي إنسان آه بيرتكب fraud بيرتكب احتيال نعتذر على الكلمة الكبيرة وال والبشعة يعني أي إنسان بكذب يعني أي إنسان ببالغ وبالتحديد إجمالا ببالغ عن مدخوله 
وبسبب المبالغه بيقنع البنك تعطي مورجج او بيقنع الكريدت كارد تعطي كريدت كارد او بيقنع الكريدت كارد تعطي كريدت كارد وذ هاير بالانس او بيقنع الكار كومباني انه تعطي سياره هيدا الانسان اذا برمت الايام معه واضطر يقدم بانكربسي نحن بنعرف انه من فوائد البانكربسي انه الانسان وقت اللي بيقدم بانكربسي بينعفى عن كتير اشياء يعني بيقولوا بالانجليزي those debts are discharged in bankruptcy يعني they are forgiven in bankruptcy يعني بينمحوا وبيبلش من جديد هيدا جمال البانكربسي انه الانسان اللي ركب ديون عليه بيقدر يتخلص من الديون عبر تقديمه للبانكربسي لانه they will be discharged in bankruptcy وانما لهيدي القاعدة دايما في أشياء استثنائية طبعا مش مية بالمية من كل الديون ينعفى عنها بالبانكربسي مثلا child support لا يعفى عنه بالبانكربسي مثلا spousal support لا يعفى عنه بالبانكربسي وبالإضافة fraud fraudulent misrepresentations احتيال وبسببه قدر الإنسان نال بيت أو credit card أو سيارة فراد كمان ما بينعفى عنه بالبانكربسي يعني لنقول سلم جدلا شخص بالغ على الابلكيشن لقدر حصل على كريدت كارد معينه مع بالانس معينه لنقول ادعى انه معاشه 2000 دولار بس هو المعاش تبعه 800 دولار او 1500 دولار وهلا برمت الايام معه وبده يقدم بانكربسي لنقول في عنده دين 5000 دولار على الكريدت كارد غايه تقديم البانكربسي جزئيا انه يقدر يتخلص من ال 5000 دولار ويبلش من جديد ممكن كثير الكريدت كارد كومباني تفتح سجله تلاقي انه وقت قدم الابلكيشن للكريدت كارد مدعي انه كان معاشه 2000 بس هلا وقت قدم للبانكربسي قايل انه معاشه 800 او 1500 في تناقض معناتها هيدا الانسان بالغ نهار اللي طلب الكريدت كارد لقنع الكريدت كارد كومباني لتعطيه كريدت كارد وذ سيرتن بالانس هيدي بيسموها فراد اسوشيتد وذ اوبتينينج ا كريدت كارد سو البالانس اللي موجوده على الكريدت كارد مش رح تنمحى بالبانكربسي لانه في احتمال انه الكريديتر اللي هي الكريدت كارد Object to the discharge يعني تعارض على الدسشارج مثل ما قال المحامي مايكل بينكستين وقت الإنسان بيقدم بانكربسي بيجي وقت معين بيروح على المحكمة وعنده شيء بيسموه meeting of creditors creditors meeting of creditors يعني اجتماع كل أصحاب الديون يعني لنقول الإنسان مقدم بانكربسي وذاكر بالبانكربسي أنه عنده عشر ديون عنده كريدت كارد 1 كريدت كارد 2 مورجج 3 كار نوت ديس الى اخره هيدي بسموها هدول كلهم كريديتورز بالميتنج اوف ذا كريديتورز بالمبدا المفروض يجتمعوا الكريديتورز عمليا اغلبيتهم ما بيجوا اذا ما عندهم شيء يعارضوا عليه بس بيقول المحامي مايكل بينكستين انه من وقت لاخر بنلاقي محامي بالنيابه عن كريدت كارد كومباني بيجي ليعارض على الدسشارج تبع الكريدت كارد اماونت ليه؟ بجيب معه نسخه من الابلكيشن 
وقت الانسان قدم على الكريدت كارد ادعى انه مدخوله اعلى مما هلا عم بيقول للمحكمه يعني في تناقض والارجح انه هيدا الانسان كان عم ببالغ عن معاشه قبل لحتى قدر انا الكريدت كارد كومباني تعطيه كريدت سو so, انتباه مهم جدا معلومه ما حكينا عنها كفايه وبركي باذن الله بنحكي عنها بالمستقبل كمان اكثر من مره انه كقاعده عامه الانسان بيقدم بانكربسي لحتى يمحي ديونه ويبلش من جديد بالاخص بما بخص تشابتر 7 تشابتر 13 يلي مش مؤهل لتشابتر 7 بيصير في ريبيمنت على جزء من الديون تبعه تشابتر 7 بينمحوا الديون تبعه اذا كانوا من نوع الدين اللي القانون بيسمع بيسمح لمحيو كريدت كارد اغلبيه العالم تعرف انه اذا بنقدم بانكربسي بننمحى عنا بس مش اذا كان في احتيال من البدايه للحصول على هيدا الكريدت كارد ذات الشيء ليلي بكذب للبنك ليحصل على مورجج طبعا بما بخص البنوك والمورجج في عندهم اكثر ديو ديليجنس يعملوها يعني الارجح انه رح يحصلوا على معلومات يتاكدوا انه الراتب هو صح بس ممكن اوقات تمرق ممكن اوقات تمرق انه تمرق عليهم معلومه وهون بيدعوا انه لو عطيتونا المعلومات الصح لو قلتوا لنا شو المدخول الصح يمكن نحن ما كنا عطينا المورجج او يمكن نحن ما كنا عطينا السياره او يمكن نحن ما كنا عطينا الكريدت كارد سو نقطه كثير مهمه بالانجليزي بسموها fraud in, in obtaining any debt is not dischargeable in bankruptcy it is the problem is in getting rid of the debt because the creditor may object correct that's correct yeah that that's one of um sometimes people will ask me um uh, is this debt dischargeable is that debt dischargeable it's easier to think in terms of what's not dischargeable because if it isn't one of those four or five or six things then everything else is pretty much dischargeable everything else is pretty much dischargeable assuming that you did not commit fraud in getting it in the first place sure because that's one of them is fraud in connection with obtaining the debt and you also have uh, domestic support obligations like child support or spousal support that are not sure, dischargeable sure but i think that almost everybody knows that you file chapter 7 and one of the things you can count on is getting your credit cards wiped out yes yes but if there was no fraud in connection with obtaining the debt exactly as long as you did not commit fraud in the first place in getting that credit card correct that's right do you realize that in the past 18 months we may have touched upon this subject twice Uh, it's possible because there's, you know, an attempt to cover many different topics, but I'm glad that we're circling back on some of these things. Right. And another thing that we talked about maybe two to three times, and I remember uh, one time particularly we had a uh, University of Michigan law student, actually the University of Michigan law student who called us on this, that was in another show, But uh, the we talked about the issue we're about to talk about twice, maybe three times. What you call the reset button on the six-year rule. Payments to credit cards. Every time you make a payment, 
even if it is ten dollars, it resets the rule for another six years. Correct? That's right. They've got up to six years from the last voluntary payment to sue you. So that's exactly why sometimes a, a creditor will call you up and say, well, if you can't pay the whole amount, can you pay $20? Can you pay $30? And it seems like a very small amount to get them off your back. And it makes you wonder why. Yeah. So every time they're you okay make a, with 10. Yeah. Every time you make a voluntary payment, you're, you're resetting that six-year limitation because they got six years to sue you. So they keep buying themselves some more time to sue you. And you talked about how a, a credit card can loom over your head for 26 years, unless you file bankruptcy. Right. Because Let's explain that. Sure. So again, they've got the six years to, uh, to su- from the last voluntary payment to sue you. If during that period of time they sue you and they get a judgment, that judgment's good for 10 years. And under Michigan law, you can redu- renew that a judgment, uh, the creditor can renew that judgment for an additional 10-year period. So they could come after you for 26 years (laughs) on the credit card debt. And the whole time the interest is running. And the whole time the interest is running. That is correct. So, كمان نقطة من النقاط رامي اللي حكين عنا بالتقريبا 18 شهر اللي نحن على الراديو يمكن مرتين يمكن ثلاثة هي وقت الإنسان بيعمل payment للكريدت كارد company اوقات بيجي اتصالات من كريدت كارد كومبانيز بيطلبوا من الشخص مثلا لنقول عنده بالانس 2000 دولار بيقولوا له طيب ما فيك تدفع 2000 دولار فيك تدفع 20 دولار فيك تدفع 10 دولارات واوقات الواحد بيتفاجئ انه اذا بدهم مني 2000 دولار ليش عم بيتصرفوا كانه مكتفيين بال 10 دولارات او ال 20 دولار للحقيقه هيدي احتيال هيدي هيدي اتس تريك باي اكسكيوز مي باي كريدت كارد كومبانيز لسبب وحيد القانون بيقول انه الكريدت كارد كومباني عندها ست سنوات لتقيم دعوه ضد الشخص اللي عنده الكريدت كارد ست سنوات من ايمت مش ست سنوات من وقت ما فتح الكريدت كارد ست سنوات من وقت ما عمل اخر دفعه يعني وقت بيجينا اتصال اليوم على كريدت كارد 10000 دولار وبيقولوا لنا اوكي دفعوا 10 دولارات عم نعد ست سنوات من اليوم عندهم ست سنوات من اليوم ليقيموا دعوه ضد هيدا الشخص طبعا الانسان بيقدر يقدم بانكربسي وبيقدر يتخلص من الكريدت كارد طالما ما في احتيال ان اوبتينينج ذا كريدت كارد بالبدايه بس عم نحكي للاشخاص اللي ما بدهم يقدموا بانكربسي او ما بيعوزوا يقدموا بانكربسي او عندهم بس مشكله بسيطه اللي هي يمكن وان كريدت كارد عم نحكي عن هؤلاء الاشخاص اللي منهم بوضع لسبب او لاخر يقدموا بانكربسي بس بيجيون اتصال من كريدت كارد كومباني والكريدت كارد كومباني بتحاول تقنعهم يدفعوا اني ثينج 5 دولارات 10 دولارات 20 دولار هي مش على 5 دولارات اللي بدها اياها الكريدت كارد هي مش ال 10 دولارات اللي رح تساعد الكريدت كارد هي القانون اللي بيقول انه صار عندهم ست سنوات ليقيموا دعوه ضد هيدا الشخص من اخر دفعه يعني 
إذا اقتنع الإنسان وبعت لهم بيمنت اليوم صار عندهم ست سنين من اليوم وبالإضافة هيدا الدين كمان ليلي ما بده يقدم بانكربسي هيدا الدين يمكن يكون فوق راسه لهيدا الشخص لحد الستة وعشرين سنة كيف ستة وعشرين سنة؟ أول شيء ست سنين ليش ست سنين؟ لأنه العلاقة بين كريدت كارد كومباني وشخص هي علاقة عقد it's a contract والقانون بيقول you have six years to sue on a contract so credit card مثل insurance company عندها علاقة مع الانشورد أو عندها علاقة مع الكريدت كارد هولدر القانون بيقول أنه طرف من الطرفين عنده ست سنين ليقيم دعوة ضد الآخر ست سنين من شو؟ ست سنين من آخر دفعة آخر voluntary payment so, لنقول اليوم الإنسان عمل payment بيسموه voluntary payment صار عندهم ست سنين من اليوم يعني عندهم لديسمبر 2025 لحتى يقيموا دعوة ضد صاحب الدين لنقول ايه مدعوة وصار في حكم ضده لهيدا الانسان وكمان مرة سلم, سلم جدلا انه هذا الانسان ما قدم بانكربسي هيدا الحكم صالح لمدة تنيرز عشر سنين يعني بهالعشر سنين اذا الشخص عم يشتغل they can garnish the wages up to 25% they can garnish bank accounts لعشر سنوات وبيقدر يتجدد لعشر سنوات اخرى يعني صرنا ست سنين من اليوم ولنقول قدموا دعوة بالسنة السادسة الحكم صالح لعشر سنين صرنا ست عشر سنة وبيجددوه عشر سنين وبيصير ستة وعشرين سنة يعني الدين الكريدت كارد ممكن يكون الإنسان معرض لإقامة دعوة ولواجبات يدفعها لحد الستة وعشرين سنة ومثل ما بيقول المحامي مايكل بينكستين the interest continues to run يعني الانترست على الكريدت كارد بحياته ما بيوقف إلا في مكان واحد ورح نرجع نذكر المستمعين عنه يعني من اليوم لست سنين وبهالعشر سنين اللي في judgment والعشر سنين التانيين وبعده الانترست ريت عم يعلى والانترست ريت بالانجليزي بيسموه compound interest upon compound interest مرة عملنا حلقة مخصصة للكريدت كاردز كيف الكريدت كاردز بتعمل مصرياتها كيف الكريدت كاردز بتتكل على على عدم ادراك المستهلك باستعمال الكريدت كارد وكيف الكريدت كاردز بيعملوا مصرياتهم من شيء بيسموه كومباوند انترست ابون كومباوند انترست كيف كثير مهم بما بخص الكريدت كاردز ايمت ذا ديو ديت على البيمنت اذا الانسان بيدفع اي شيء اقل من 100% من البيمنت باي ذا ديو ديت الانترست ريت بضل يشتغل بفتكر رامي لازم نرجع نخصص حلقه من بدايتها لنهايتها عن هيدا الموضوع للعالم يصير عندها ادراك اكثر هاو كريدت كارد كومبانيز ورك اند هاو ذي ميك ذير ماني اند بوي ار ذي فيري 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 ريتش كنا عم نقول انه طالما الانسان بعده عم يتعامل مع كريدت كارد كومباني وبحق لها جادجمنت لحد ال20 سنه الانترست بعده عم يمشي لانه دائما الكريدت كارد انترست بضل يمشي الا 
إلا بحالة واحدة. Attorney Michael Bankstein, you just clarified to our listeners that when you have a uh, when you have a credit card going, the interest keeps going and going and going. That's and, right. Right, and there is one circumstance where the interest stops on a credit card, and that is when. When you file for bankruptcy. Okay. So today I file for bankruptcy. I have 23% on my credit card and I accumulated as of today $10,000. It's going to be six months before I'm in and out of Chapter 7. I shouldn't worry because during that time the interest has is stalled and hopefully I will get rid of all the debt anyhow. That's correct. As what about the, Chapter 13? Sorry. Uh, whether you file a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13, as soon as you file the bankruptcy, there's an automatic stay that goes into effect. That means that your creditors cannot engage in any activities for purposes of collecting a debt. They can't call you. They can't write you. They can't sue you. They can't garnish you. The interest stops on the credit so cards. So they cannot even increase your interest. Correct. The interest stops. So either in a Chapter 7, the interest stops, and then you wind up getting rid of the debt, or even in a Chapter 13, when you're, if you're in a three to five year repayment plan, again, the interest on the credit cards stops on the day the case is filed. So if you have X amount of credit card debt and you wind up paying a certain percentage of that, you're gonna be paying a percentage of the, of the principal in existence on the day the case was filed. So either way, the, the interest stops. Thank you. So كمان نقطة مش حكينا عنا كيفية إنه وقت الإنسان بيقدم بانكربسي إن كان شابتر 7 أو شابتر 13 نهار اللي بيقدم هو نهار اللي بيوقف بتوقف الانترست على الكريدت كاردز تبعه يعني إذا الإنسان قدم اليوم وعنده 10,000 دولار انترست بعتذر كريدت كارد ديت بده ست ست شهور ليطلع من البنكربسي إن كان شابتر 7 وينمحى هيدا الديت كله وقف على 10,000 دولار أما بالنسبة للشابتر 13 اللي بتاخد بين الثلاثة والخمس سنوات من بدايتها لنهايتها لأنه في ريبايمنت بلان الريبايمنت هو على العشر تلاف دولار لأنه بين هالثلاثة والخمس سنوات الانترست على الكريدت كارد وقف فروزن ما عاد يكمل هيدي نقطة كمان كتير مهمة إنه the credit card interest stops the minute you file bankruptcy, whether it is a chapter 7 or whether it is a chapter 13. It stops when you file for bankruptcy. Attorney Michael Bankstein, another thing that I see that we did not uh, talk about more than once, actually, I know when we talk about car accidents on our Wednesday shows, we often give the advice against posting on social media during dependency of the bankruptcy proceedings. So in a chapter seven, that's six months. In a chapter 13, that's three to five years. This prohibition or warning, ag- ideally, ideally, against posting on social media. Can you tell us a little bit more what this is about? Yes, I'd like to because uh, we have discussed that uh, just one time on the radio. That's correct. Uh, it, the the dynamics of it are a little bit different. So um, if somebody is in a car accident and they're not able to work, you probably don't want to post something about raking leaves and doing yard work. 
Um, <laughs> yes. Bankruptcy is a little bit different because if you're raking leaves or doing yard work and you want to show the world about that, uh, it doesn't really have anything to do money-wise. Um, uh, but, you know, let's say that you have a relative who is going to Mexico for the holidays and it's not costing you any money because they're, they're paying your way to come with you, right? Um, that's fine. I mean, you can go to Mexico if it's not costing you anything. Um, but you want to avoid... You know, a bunch of you know Instagram photos of you in Cancun because again, that doesn't that doesn't look real good. Um, it would be easy for creditors or for the trustee to draw some kind of inference that that maybe you're pulling the wool over their eyes. You could be totally innocent, but it it could it could muddy the waters in your case potentially. Okay, so what we're looking for here, unlike any car accident where we're looking to see somebody claiming is not working, is she or he really working? Somebody claiming is in pain and suffering but their activities seem to imply otherwise here the prohibition against posting for social media is the fear that a bankruptcy trustee or a creditor might look at your social media and draw the inference that you're not as broke as you claim you are and you're not unable to pay your debts as you say you are because here you're posting pictures that you are on vacation little do they know who paid for the vacation and it's not limited to travel it's really it's really around that whole nexus of of money so you know if you're at a work function at the detroit athletic club um that's fine but just go ahead go to the work function but just don't necessarily post a, a photo you know in a suit and tie at the athletic club because it you know how'd you get there you know Right, and it, so the inference here that you may be hiding money, Correct. that you may be hiding money and claiming that you are bankrupt. Yeah, so you can still post on social media. Just don't really do anything flashy in terms of, of money or locations or things like that. Okay. So, um, social media. دايما بتسمعنا بنحكي باطار حوادث السيارات عن الحذر بالسوشيال ميديا من وقت حصول الحادث الى نهار التسويه لانه يمكن الانشورنس كومبانيز يطلعوا على السوشيال ميديا تبع الانسان ويستنجوا انه هذا الشخص اللي مدعي مش عم يشتغل هو عم يشتغل او هذا الشخص اللي مدعي انه هو ما بيقدر انه هو متالم انه هو عم بيعاني جسديا ومعنويا بنلاقي انه هو مبسوط بحياته وعم يرقص وعم يظهر والى اخره بما بخص البنكربسي التركيز هو على نقطة شوي غير النقطة مش هي عن قدرة الإنسان جسديا هي الفكرة هون عن هل هو اللي مدعي مقدم بنكربسي يعني مدعي انه ديونه أكتر من مدخوله هيدي الفكرة هل الصور اللي عم بحطها بسوشيال ميديا بتدل انه هو عايش حياته ماديا ومرتاح لانه الانسان اللي مقدم بانكربسي يعني انسان بانكربت يعني انسان ما بيقدر يعمل فاكيشن ما بيقدر يعيش وينبسط والى اخره سو so, الخوف والحذر دائما هون انه هل الانسان عنده مصاري اكثر مما بيدعي، هل هو مش عم بيصرح عن كل مصرياته؟ يعني كمان مره يمكن مثلا شخص حط صور انه راح على مكسيكو بس مش هو اللي دافع التكاليف بس مبين كانه از ليفينج ذا لايف يعني عنده مصاري يروح فاكيشن بس ما عنده مصاري يدفع ديونه سو so ممكن كثير بانكربسي ترستي 
to draw the inference from this انه الشخص عنده مور ماني ذان الشخص از كليمينج هيدي نقطه كثير مهمه وما ننسى انه البانكربسي ترستيز بيعملوا مصرياتهم كل ما بيكتشفوا مصاري اكثر كل ما بيعملوا مصاري اكثر يعني عندهم a financial incentive to discover hidden assets حكينا بالماضي عده مرات عن شركات كبيره او اشخاص اغنياء كبار كانوا مخبيين assets اكتشفون البانكربسي ترستيز والقانون بيسمح لهم يعملوا a very big percentage on that money wise the percentage is small but وقت تكون المصاري كتير كبيرة بيعملوا كتير مصاري I was explaining that a bankruptcy trustee is very interested in knowing about uh, you know your hidden assets because the bankruptcy trustee will make money off hidden assets can you remind the listeners how a bankruptcy trustee makes her or his money So if they find out that you're doing something you're not supposed to do, whether it's making payments to an insider, whether it's preferring one creditor over another. Or hiding a, money. Hiding money, fraudulent transfers, or whatever. <laughs> Offshore accounts. Correct. Uh, the trustee gets 25% of the first 5,000 that they recover. Um, they get 10% of everything over 5,000, but less than 50,000, and they get 5% of everything over 50,000 that they recover. So that's... That's their buy-in. That's why they care. So we talked in the past about some very wealthy individuals who had hidden assets uh, in other in, in other jurisdictions, not here in Michigan, who had hidden assets, whether it be at companies or whether it be at individuals, who have hidden assets that were not disclosed during the bankruptcy fi- filing. And the bankruptcy trustee discovered those assets and made a very, very nice, very hefty 5% of those tens of millions of dollars discovered. That's right. And to sort of give you the bookend example, while we're on the topic of, of both social media posts and and the trustee going after somebody, um, 50 Cent uh, several years ago, uh, the, 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 the rapper, musician. The, the musician, musician. Yeah. yes, 50 um, Cent, yeah. He was in the middle of a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and he posted one photo on Instagram of him just surrounded by money. And and I can't recall the the back end of the story whether it was real money or, or like stage money or maybe it was somebody else's money, but it was just a, a, a posting that he made. It turns out he didn't really have all that money, um, but again, that did cause some difficulties and some delays in his Chapter 11 case because they started looking into, well, where did you get all that money? Because it looks like you got fifty thousand dollars stacked around you in this Instagram post. Right, and so they drew the inference that he has more money than he claimed he had. Correct. And at a minimum, this caused delay. Correct. In in connection, and I, there were so many other things I wanted to talk about today, uh, such as you know, filing for bankruptcy is not a crime when it comes to immigration. We talked about that only one time, but I think we're going to have to wait until the next time to talk about this. In, gr- in great detail, let's go back to the posting against social media. What if somebody posted something, made a mistake, and posted something that may lead a creditor or a bankruptcy trustee at a bankruptcy uh, during a bankruptcy proceeding to conclude that they're living the life? Do you advise again? Uh, do you advise for deleting or keeping that post? I would say keep it where it is. Keep it where it is. I would say keep it where it is because, you know, sometimes that there are sort of archive versions available if you know where to look. 
and it it looks worse if you're if you're doing something that makes it look like you're trying to conceal it so it's it's better just don't do it anymore moving forward and what's the 2004 exam you said you may have to sit in a 2004 exam which is like a deposition and answer questions yes it's under a federal rule of bankruptcy procedure 2004 and and basically it's the bankruptcy version of a of a deposition okay and how does that fit in with social media you may get asked about it uh right and and again i want to make it clear in the vast majority of bankruptcy cases you don't have to sit for a 2004 exam but that's just an ability for the trustee to get uh who's appointed by the court to administer your case uh, for the trustee to get additional information um but if you if you have postings and hey you're in ireland or you were you were in thailand uh you know last week when you filed the bankruptcy uh, you know, they, they do have the ability to investigate the matter further. If they can't connect all the dots looking at documents, they, they may have to call you in for a deposition. Uh, you'd be sworn in and they could ask you questions. Okay. So social media, الانتباه والحصر بالسوشيال ميديا ولا الشخص اللي حط شيء يمكن ندم عليه ما يمحي ضروري جدا ما يمحي. جمعة الجين الله راد بنحكي عن بما بخص قانون الهجرة لنقول شخص هو جرين كارد هولدر وبده يصير بده يقدم على ناتشراليزيشن واضطر يقدم بانكربسي هل هيدا الشيء يستعمل ضده؟ الجواب هو نو ات از نوت ا كرايم ات از نوت ا كرايم اتس نوت ا كرايم انفولفينغ مورال تربتيود تو فايل فور بانكربسي اتس ا كونستيتيوشنال رايت بات failing to disclose that you filed for bankruptcy or testifying falsely at your bankruptcy proceeding may hurt you in immigration, uh, in your immigration proceeding and in applying for naturalization. We're going to talk about this in much greater detail next Tuesday, God willing. I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Thank you so very much, Attorney Michael Bankstein. Thank you, Juman. We apologize. We were not able to take listen callers today. Rami, thank you. Ula bukra na Allah rad.